0: welcome to inside sports dead and goal podcast Um, we've got a very special guest uh, this episode uh, the one and only todd carney how you going todd yeah good thanks how are you (laughs) yeah really good thanks yeah um i just wanted to kick off here there's a really interesting line in the pr material of your book which says um, hard truth is a rare window into the real life of one of rugby league's most talked about yet least known figures so i thought we'd use this chat Um, to get to know, like, the real you, um, if that's all right. Yeah, Yeah. that's fine. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, cool. Um, So first of all, like, congratulations on the book. Um, How did the idea of the book come about? Like, um, yeah, what was the process there? We
1: were approached a few years ago to actually do one when I was at the Roosters. Obviously, it was a little bit premature then to to do it then because obviously we didn't know what was going to evolve from my career then, and uh, I guess after... time at Perola, then my time for Stint overseas um, and then announcing my retirement last year from professional rugby league. I thought it was the right time um, with what I want to do now outside of I guess my rugby league life. Um, And the process of the book was obviously to tell my side of the story, um, give people an understanding and insight of who I am as a person, not so much as a rugby league player, but also go into detail of the un- unfortunate events that happened in my life. It was obviously the, the passing of my father, um, and then obviously the negative stuff that was brought, brought through my career as, as a rugby league player. And uh, when we first spoke about it, they wanted to call the book Trouble, but I felt uh, my, my, my time as a rugby league player, well, yes, there was a bit of trouble in there, but my positives outweighed the negatives, so yeah. I went back and thought about it. And I come up with the um, hard truth, they were going to call it the truth, but we thought the hard truth because I guess when I look back and think about my career when I've done the book, there's some hard, hard hard, times in there and then obviously talking about the truth and I guess people will look at it, book and go, well, you, you haven't told everything, but I've got mates and I've got players that i played with that I don't want, they're still playing, I don't want to incriminate anyone else. The book's for myself and, and moving forward and I guess when people do read the book, they didn't like me before hopefully they'll go away from the book going okay with, with a bit of an understanding of what went on yeah. um, and, and you sort of judge me from that but yeah it's it was a good process obviously a, a different one something obviously yeah. I've never done it before but um, I really like the
0: process of it because I've got my side out there and, and now it's out there Right, yeah. No, and, and what was the process? Do you sit down with the writer or, or get on the phone with them and, yeah, and so, just bash out your own...
1: Uh, we met a couple of publishers at first, and um, then we went with obviously, Alan Allen. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I had a few people approach me about doing the book. Um, but the, I went to Tony Adams. He's probably... Uh, he supported my career. Obviously, they all write a negative here and there, but <laughs> he, he generally... Well, I, think he generally cared about my career and also yeah. me as a person um we didn't always speak about rugby league when i'd have meetings with him or I'd have coffees and stuff so it was all a bit of a friendship basis which is something that i needed i wanted to trust because some things you talk about um through your career that it would, uh, if it doesn't go in the book you don't want it to go out past that conversation so yeah. and i had that trust in tony and uh so first of all we he would send me um answers and then sorry send me questions and then i'll give him the answers just by recording myself laying in bed at night and i I got tony to come to byron he spent a week with me in byron stayed at my house lived under my roof and i just guess he got got an experience how i live um and then when he felt comfortable he would just ask me questions and then just sort of went off there and then obviously in in the book he um the, my peers that I played with, uh, ones that I re- really respect, and, and I guess they respect me for giving me um, their time to put parts of the chapter in the book. And yeah. uh, When you read that, they're the things you read. Obviously, the emotional parts of the book is with my mum, but when you read um, what players say from your peers that you played with, it's quite overwhelming, and um, you, you, just, you just think, that's when you, you get goosebumps when you think
0: back in your career. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah. Great answer, yeah. So you, you spoke about the emotional um, aspects of it. Um, wh- what did you find difficult about that? Was it a case of, like, the family sort of stuff, is was uh, the hardest stuff to talk about?
1: I guess the the stuff in your father stuff is always is hard to speak about because obviously it's the closest thing to your heart. Obviously yeah. it's death and stuff, but I sort of left that to mum to speak about and um, my sisters and how I reacted in that time because if I'm honest about it, it's... I'm still quite numb from it and I didn't know how I sort of acted in those ways um, about his death. Um, and then obviously bringing up the past of the negative things like that. And like the stupidity stuff, please dance answer because it's there to see. Um, but the answers to um, the drink driving and stuff is was, was sort of, they're the things that you to think back, and go, oh, why'd you continue to do it? And, they're the ones that sort of hit home then you realise that you're like sort of what went on so I guess that was the process and it had to be done because that's what the book was about Um, but yeah it was, while it was sort of dwelling on the past but it's also obviously now it's out there I can move on from it
0: (laughs) that's good, yeah Yeah. no excellent, I just wanted to ask you about, like you know how you were ejected from the game over here, um like the, the the media scrutiny of players was was bad back then. Like, what's your view of it now? Like, even even five years on, because it seems to be even more and more harsh, doesn't yeah, I it? I
1: think, I guess, yeah. The, the scrutiny on all players is 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 way through the roof now. Uh, yeah. Um, but not just so much from the media, from the public eye. Um, like newspapers, um, TV, news stations. Paying money for public people in the public to get a negative photo or a, a negative video of a, a sports person. i think it's ridiculous. Like, yes, they promote the game, but then they 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 put the game into a bad light. And, and I know players shouldn't do the wrong thing, and we all don't mean to do it. It just some things happen. But I think the public eye scrutiny on players is is isn't, is is pretty poor. Um, because if you're not a fan of the game, you're out having a beer or a lunch with someone, and they've just got their phone ready to ready to to film someone doing something, for it, and then send it in and getting the monetary uh, getting the money for it. So, and it and just it, it says like it's quite funny. Like when um, my sister, she probably doesn't even like Apparently, the mutual Beast video got the guy got a r- ridiculous amount of money, and that's what like my sister said. Like, was just mucking around. She goes, "You should just go out and do something. I'll film him and I'll get some money for it. Like just little things like that and for yeah. people to think of the like that when they're going out is quite sad. Uh, and then obviously when, once that comes, the negative side of that, the, the media takes over and, and glorifies it a whole lot more. So yeah. Players have got to watch their, their, um, their backs and uh, watch what they do. Because I'm not in the spotlight so much now, when I do hang around with my mates that are still playing, yeah. I keep a conscious eye on what they're doing and for myself I have to be conscious. Of the way I behave, because if I do something wrong and they're involved, they're, they're guilty by association. So it's um, yeah. yeah, it's something that you, you've got to look
0: out for and um, be aware of in your life. Okay, so. yeah, great. great. Um, and so the real you, as we referred to before, like um, how did uh, Todd Carney the kid um, in rugby league cross paths? Like how, how were you introduced to the game? Oh, just from my dad. I think yeah. the day I was born. Um, I think Mum said the day that the
1: doctor looked over and said dad that was a boy, um, he, he's all his Christmases have come and whatever <laughs> happened from that day on was, was all about me and um, wanting to make me a rugby league player and, and that's what he done and um, everything I've done from the game is, is all from him, he yeah. taught me everything I know about rugby league and um, I guess... Yeah, it was quite sad. Obviously, he his passing 11 years ago now, but... Uh, That's unbelievable. Yeah, he obviously died quite young, but yeah. I guess for me, the, the most positive thing out of it, he got to see me play um, the first ever game for Cameron. Um, I'm proud of that. and He would have been very proud too, because obviously he worked so hard, and him and mum and my sister sacrificed
0: so much for me to get to that day, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Um, and I heard a story, so this is just an anecdote that I heard. It might have been when I was still working down at Golden, about how you and a bunch of Golden kids got selected for Canberra yeah. in the juniors, and you all went down. And then you came back like three or four months later. I forget who was telling you this. might have been the president of the Golden Stockman yeah. at the time. He said, just looking at them, they're all a bunch of... St- they're, they're all stick men. They've obviously yeah. been smashed. Yeah. What, what were your memories of being a junior and, and being introduced to the big time... Like, was it a massive? Well, this is a massive step up in yeah, the was. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely. And um obviously, when we all s- sort of got
1: selected in that development systems at Canberra, yeah, um, dad wasn't our coach in our grade, but he was a coach below. Oh, so, yeah. there was a family, there's obviously there a group of us um, Joe Gray, um, the, the dad, um, Anthony Ruddy, Wayne Rudd. Um, was at Burke and they all used to just we used to have a mini bus. we'd all get on the bus together go over do our training and then always drive back but yeah. we could never hide from our training because dad was the coach of the team below so he sort of knew what we had to do outside of it so it yeah. sort of we had nowhere to hide um, every every opportunity we got to do extras we had to do it and dad was there to conduct it because yeah. obviously that's what he wanted from us or and not so much myself. He just wanted everyone that he coached to succeed and be good players. And we had a fair record as a junior team in Goulburn. I think mean, don't think we got beat for about seven years. Yeah. So, so yeah, he, he he done well, and uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of blokes that, did, that went on from, the, from that team I would say that would would be more from,
0: from his merits of coaching. And uh, so you, you you made your um, according to the records you made your NRL debut coming off the bench um against the Bulldogs in 2004 at Gosford like what's running through your head that day like uh-huh. as you're sitting on the bench waiting to go on in the first game yeah. it's, it's a
1: blur it's like it's many kid's dream it's something you work so hard for as an 18 year old it's it's like well are you really here and I guess looking back now as, as my career went on for so long to that day and how quick you evolved from it but I just never thought I'd be ready for it mm. um i got an opportunity to go on. I remember Willie Mason looking straight at me and pinning his eyes like I was a little red flag and his big bull just, just, just head on straight at me. And to my credit, I held my own that day. And <clears throat> Matty Elliott always said to me that he wouldn't continue to keep me in you know, that first grade. He'd sort of give me an opportunity and take me back out and make me work on things. Yep. And and he'd done that. and he was, Everything Matty said, he stuck to if it was um, my pull him in or pull me out, right. um, he was good, and that's why I respect Matty others so highly. Oh, he obviously gave me the opportunity to, to fulfil a childhood dream, but also um, just the
0: friendship I've got with him is uh, something that I'll dress forever. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And just, I haven't written this down, but just before I go on, which play, who were your favourite players growing up? Oh, who did you? I love it like, Obviously, I was a big Cam
1: Raiders fan. obviously, well, yeah, a lot yeah.
0: Daly's, Ricky Stewart. Yeah.
1: Reuben Wickian, I was lucky enough to play from Jason Croke and then obviously the ultimate player was Andrew Johns
0: Um,
1: (laughs) and I I was lucky enough to play against him in his last game Um, so it's just little things like that like when I'd done the book you think back like I played against some really outstanding players but to play against your childhood hero. Is just something
0: that. How do you do, how do you handle that?
1: <laughs> oh, it's just, yeah, when you think about it yeah. and in the moment, it's like, oh, well, you're trying to, but now when I think about my career, while, not to say my negatives, my positives outweigh my negatives by the country yeah. mile because I, I've done things that I never thought was possible. Oh. And obviously I didn't fulfill, I guess, my expectations, other people's expectations, but. Um, i done what i set, set myself out to do and um, obviously let myself down in different areas. And and obviously you do let your fans down, your, your clubs down that you play at, but most of all you let yourself down and, and that's why I sort of, um, sort of left me from your own resources to try and fix that and it's probably one of the parts of the book is to, to leave that behind and move forward and okay. accept my accept my wrongdoings and, and move on to be a better person and um, who knows, that I probably won't write another book, but... Uh, I guess maybe in 20 years time if I do have successful thinking in coaching or just my life I'd love to write in the next 30 years of what went on after and hopefully it's, yeah. for myself it's, you can't say it today but hopefully it'll be all, all positive and I change people's lives and that's what I want to do and, um, I, I, now I'm ready to take that step once um, I've sort of got my book out and work on things for myself and better myself as a person and, and as a mentor and yeah. um, that's what I want to do for, for the game
0: room league yeah fair enough, fair enough like you know in a game like, you know how you had all that off field stuff and then that would pass and then you get back on the field and try and concentrate on the game like yeah. how, how do you how do you do that like how do you how do you block all the stuff that's happening off the field and then concentrate on winning a game like are you, are you guys just conditioned to do that or are you taught to um, block everything out is it competitive oh, i guess, you, sort of I guess stuff? you're
1: conditioned to it because that's what you set out to do as a kid and yeah practice day in day out what you do doing the park yeah you, you, you take onto the field
0: yes yeah.
1: uh, i guess that's probably sort of been a a, a negative and a positive for me because when I did do the wrong thing I always had rugby league still it was, oh, like, okay. it was like a pushing for me so I'd always get pushed back in because maybe because it was my ability that I, that I played really well that they, the clubs needed me so it would sort of instead of punishing me taking it away from me regularly uh, and then and just but yeah I guess you just learn to do it it's, that's what you it it's, it's like a machine and you program to
0: do it and yeah and how how good you do it is up to yourself yeah no good answer yeah um and like one thing i've, I've watched and noticed about you is you had the game where um that's so many young halves these days should really be following like you you grabbed the ball and you you're a real running sort of half weren't you like um how did that get um put into your game was it your dad again or was it just just you picking stuff up over the years yeah i guess
1: at a younger age, the, if I was playing bad, I'd always go back to... Dad used to make me wear a headgear and go back and put my running game back on. Okay. Um, to make me make me evolve as a player. To play the game. But yeah. I think the, the most, I guess, I guess, like, moment for me was when I signed up at the Roosters and Brian Smith called me and said, you'll play full-bat eight year in 2010. And okay. that, that forces it to run because you've got no-one to pass it to at the yeah. back.
0: Yeah.
1: And... Um, that, that's why I played so well that year is because he, he put me in a position where I was uncomfortable, gave me a job to work at it, and, and I had to do it. Um, oh. It just brought my it just gave my game another, another level, put me up another gear, and, and yeah, that's, that's, I think that's where it all come from. And then for me, I just played on the back of that go-forward. We always played beyond good forwards and, and always tried to play on the
0: jump. Yeah, yeah. So I was just, that was literally going to be my next question. What was the answer to that, to that good form? Because you won a Dalian Player of the Year that year, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it was
1: just, if you look at that Roosters team in 2010, yeah, it was just like we, we had something something special going and we were all humming. Everyone was, everyone was like flying on Octane or something. We all had different fuel than other, everyone else. We were fast, we were... We were skillful And we were out to win Obviously they had a poor year The season before And Brian Smith had us fine Ready to go And every player in that year Is probably at um,
0: One of their better years In their career yeah, yeah yeah And you were quite a light player On your feet Like did you focus on that a lot during your career, like um, yeah, athleticism and stuff like that? Or?
1: Yeah, I think Red the roosters, I had Roger Fabry, our speed coach, come okay. in and, and do a lot of work with us. And obviously, I was playing
0: a lot lighter because I was playing fullback. But yeah, yeah but you I sort do, of seem to bounce along the ground, like yeah, yeah, even like when you kick a goal, yeah. you seem to just sort of you know float back to your position. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know,
1: yeah, it's something I never really looked at, <laughs> but
0: yeah, it's something that obviously as a half and a
1: fullback, where you pride yourself on being fast, and obviously you got over a step and stuff. So yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. You work on <laughs> no worries um and like say, so out of today's stars um who interests you the most i mean you know any, anyone that's out of the ordinary who you keep seeing and, and saying oh you know, this kid's got a big future
1: oh if you look at obviously uh, you can't you can't hide the fact that karlopong yeah. is probably our next superstar and yeah if not already a superstar he, the things he does is he's his support, but what do you like about him in particular oh, it's just his confidence his his ability to to change the game. His ability to do it on his own, yeah. and the ability to adapt to a team structure, is yeah. really good. And at a young age, he's got, he's got he's got it all. A lot of a lot of kids don't really have. He speaks well. Um, he's got a knack to do things. Yeah. Um, but if you look at like the superstars or the, the current superstars, obviously you've got some young outside backs. The Fiji kids are outstanding uh, coming through. Yeah. Um, and I like the English guys that are coming over. John Bateman and Elliot Whitehead, obviously. Um, just to name a couple of them, they're, they're, they've gone outstanding. But um, well, yeah, there's some
0: exciting kids coming through. Um, yes. and I think the game's in a good position. Yeah, no, and, and just on that, um, you had a few seasons in, in the Super League, like with um, Salford and Catlins and Whole KR. But what's it like for an Australian, you know, an upper echelon, an Aussie <coughs> player like yourself? Is it a case of like you having a big target on your back? Because um, everyone's trying to prove themselves against the Aussie that's come over. I guess like, when
1: I went to France, Was I had own, I had control of a team. And I'd I done the pre-seasons there. And obviously learned the French language was hard. And I didn't adapt to that. <laughs> but the way I played when I was at the Catalans, I played like I did in, in Australia. Because yeah. I had owners of that team. Obviously coming back to Australia in the end of 2015, um, to try and get another shot back here, didn't, didn't work that way, so then I went to Salford, yeah. um, on no pre-season, just walking straight in the team, as a half you can't take control of the team, so I struggled, I struggled with my fitness, struggled with my form, um, then I come back again, signed at the Northern Pride for yeah. um, 12 months, and then obviously with my mum getting ill,
0: yeah.
1: uh, come back to Sydney, and then went back to Hull KR, same thing, limited pre-season, not not uh, rugby league fit. Yeah, uh, and just struggled. So I guess that was a, that was for me knowing that I didn't want to go over and do the pre seasons. That yeah. uh, I guess for me I was forced to go to the Super League. So it was sort of I, I think when players decide to go because they want to go, mm-hmm. they get they have a, a whole lot better shot at it. Where I was forced to it. Every six months, I was like, I want to go home because I want to go back to the NRL. I'm capable of playing there, so that was my thought process. When your thought process isn't in what you're doing, yeah. you can't perform. You can't perform at your highest level. It doesn't matter what, what level it is. No, so I no, guess sort of, I didn't give myself the, I guess, the, the best shot at it, but
0: that was my thought process because I just always wanted to come home. Yeah, and it is a long way away from home, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, Salford yeah. and places like Hull, yeah. they're, not, they're not here, are they? No, <laughs> no that's right, yeah. Yeah, um, and so like you, you probably mentioned this, answered this before, as far as your playing career goes, are you retired now, are you? Or
1: yeah, I, I'm a captain coach by Byron so I still oh, play cool. in, in the country rugby league. How's, um,
0: how, how's that going, how are they going this we year? We got
1: knocked out uh, last week, so we're done for the year, but um, it's sort of, I'm enjoy. I enjoy the coaching side of it, yeah. um, I've just taken on the role at or High to do the rugby league program. So that's my next steps. Is I'd love to be an assistant down the track with an NRL team, or run the run the blue shirt or something like that. So that's something that I'd like to evolve to.
0: I think that's good because you're following in the footsteps of your dad, there, aren't yeah, you? Yeah,
1: like, rugby <laughs> league's gave me everything, so I yeah. give up on it now
0: and continue to, to give the next generation. Yeah, and yeah. just finally, like, what's your um, relationship with Goulburn now? Do you make it back there much? Uh, a little
1: bit. I don't. I don't go there too much. Um, it's a, it's a bit of a drive. I do get back there for business more um, yep. special occasions, um, but yeah, everywhere I've lived, Mum and that seem to come to me. So, but yeah, I, I still call Goulburn home. Um, it's all my, all my close mates just there. Obviously, I love following Jared Kroger's career. Yeah. We'll go down as one of the greatest. He'll go go down as one of the greatest rugby league players of all time. Uh, and then what he's doing, obviously, at Cam. So I love following everything that that's, that goes on with Goulburn. But it's just. Um, yeah, just I don't, I don't obviously see myself living there. I'd, I'd love to go back for a year, and maybe try and coach there um, if, if, if um, things work that way. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just it's home. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: home base. Yeah. 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 No, that's great, Todd. Thanks very Cheers much right for, now, for the eh? chat. Yeah, hey, all good. Yeah, true. Sweet.